I want to welcome you to the Darren Sargent Show. I am your host once again, Darren Sargent. In this second episode of the Darren Sargent Show, we are going to be talking about influence. In fact, we're going to be talking about the importance of influence. Stay around. I have a story to tell you. I think it's going to hit home with a lot of us. Welcome to the Darren Sargent Show. If you listen to the very first episode of the Darren Sargent Show, you know that we kind of laid the groundwork for where this new podcast is heading. I have had a different podcast up on iTunes for the last few years called Overcomers University, but felt to just kind of go in a little different direction. And hopefully the Darren Sargent Show will be something that will inspire and help you. It's life advice from a single-handed perspective. If you know me, you know what I'm talking about. I was born with the gift. Yes, it is a gift. I was born with the gift of having only one hand, and influence has played a major part in how I have been able to handle what I have been given. Now, I believe that potential is only limited by perspective. And perspective comes from being impacted by situations, by other people. And for me, I feel as if God placed incredibly important people in my life to influence me, especially during my younger years, to handle the what some would consider a, a disability in my life. I don't, as I mentioned, I call it a gift. But let me kind of go back to the beginning. I'm going to tell a story. I'm just going to tell you a real-life story of what happened in my life. I was, of course, born. uh, I'm going to give my age away here. I was born in 1969, in April of 1969, in a little town called Pendleton, Oregon. My parents were living there, working in a church. They had graduated from Bible uh, Bible college just a uh, couple years before this, and they were uh, working there, and I was born, and the minute I was born, there was an obvious difference. It was noticeable. I only had one hand. Of course, this was before there were all the updated ultrasounds and 3D images that parents get of babies before they're born. Now, it, it was just a different world, and so the shock of being born this way was no doubt something that probably impacted my parents. I was the first firstborn. I'm the firstborn son. I remind my brothers of that often, that I'm numero uno. And so anyways, uh, being born this way, my parents living there in Pendleton, they lived at a place, uh, it was an apartment complex called the Challenger Inn, and my mom worked for the apartment complex there. But it was interesting. They, my parents had told me this story, and I, I asked them to kind of reiterate it again today. And uh, my mom had sent me a text the other day about this story because we were talking about my next episode, this one that I was going to do on my show here. And there in the apartment complex lived a young man. He was an Indian man. Um, there was a lot of tribes around there, a lot of different Indian tribes in the Pendleton area. And this young man only had one hand, and he 
very was very much self-conscious about the fact that he only had one hand. Now this he was I think probably a young adult, but that influenced my parents to make sure I was going to have a normal childhood that I wouldn't feel as if I needed to hide my disability. I needed to hide my handicap. And so I, I think it's an important part of the story because the influence of my parents at a young age was extremely, extremely vital for my survival, extremely vital for how I handle what I've been given. And so I got to start there. The number one influence in my early years, of course, um, was was my parents. They looked at my condition. And my aunt had told me this not too long ago, a few years back, I guess. She said that my father, when I was born, told her there will be nothing this boy will not be able to do. That was the attitude. That was the perspective of my parents. And so it bled over into my life, of course, because they were my first role models, my influencers early on in my life. Fast forward a few years, I I am in first grade, and I had been given uh, access to Shriners. If you know who the Shriners are, those guys that uh, ride around on the parades on little bikes with the funny hats on, uh, yeah, those guys. I was given access to Shriners Hospital where they had fitted me from the time I was just a child uh, up until I was about 12 or 13 years old. They had fitted me with a prosthetic of some sort. And I wore my prosthetic. I didn't wear it that often, but one day I decided in the first grade that I would wear it to um, school. And so I did. I wore it to school, and it was one of those hooks. If you know what I'm talking about, you've seen them. It, uh, you know, you pull it apart. I could stretch my arm out, and it would open the hook and close it. And so I remember wearing it to school, and at recess, me and a buddy of mine were out on the playground. And we had been playing kickball or foursquare or I don't know, one of those one of those games that you play when you're first, second, third grade. And and I remember jumping for a ball and when I did, my hook accidentally jabbed my buddy in the lip. And instantly blood started to flow. And I'm kind of looking at this hook like, man, this is awesome. Wow, this is so cool. But here's the deal. My first grade teacher didn't see it that way. In fact, she pulled me out of the classroom after recess was over and basically kind of chided me, if you will. I'll never forget the look on her face. I don't remember her name, but I remember the look on her face. It was one of just almost frustration. How dare I would hurt anybody. It was an accident. But here she began to tell me, I don't want you, I don't want you to wear that again. I don't want you to bring that to school that's dangerous. She handed me a sealed note, which I took home to my parents. My parents, I remember opening them, opening that note, reading whatever the teacher wrote. They never told me. And my dad, my my mom getting me close and looking at me and saying, this is influence, saying, Darren, it does not matter what she thinks of you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And it changed my perspective about who and what I was and how I was born. Fast forward three years. We moved to the state of Idaho from the school or from the area we were living at there in Salinas, California. 
And I was, it was right in the middle of the school year, and I was ushered into a rowdy classroom. All the friend groups had already been formed. The cliques had been established. Now, understand, this was a very, very small school. I grew up in a little town called Kimberly, Idaho, outside of Twin Falls, Idaho. A bunch of farm farms all around, farm kids. And, and I wanted to play football. I remember on recess one day, I think we got there, school had started probably September, and we didn't get there till October, November, so I was thrust into this classroom. And I remember wanting to play football with all the guys, and they wouldn't let me play because I had one hand. And I go back into the classroom after recess, and I am a mess. If you've ever heard me speak, if you've ever heard me uh, give a motivational speech, you have heard this story, and I'm... I just want to lay it out for those that maybe this is the first time or maybe you just need a refresher about influence. And so I remember so specifically getting just, I was dejected, I was hurt, I was crushed, I didn't have any friends, nobody wanted to play with me. I was, I was you know, the handicapped kid of school, it was a small school, so I was the only one. And I remember collapsing on my desk, bawling like a baby. And a girl that sat next to me, her name was Shelly Morrill, went up and told the teacher what was going on. And this teacher was a little bit different than my first grade teacher. I remember this teacher's name. His name was Mr. Jenkins. Mr. Jenkins all of a sudden stood up, said, class, can I have your attention? Recess, everyone was still a little hyped up, and he calmed everyone down. And I'll never forget when he began to do a little visual exercise. He brought up about five or six students from the classroom. I'm still in the back. I'm still on my desk. I'm still bawling like a baby. And he begins to point out unique, positive differences of each of those students that he had lined up across the front of the classroom. Then I heard what I didn't want to hear. I heard my name. Darren, would you come here? And I remember getting up thinking, this is fourth grade, thinking, I'm going to be humiliated again. I'm going to be singled out again. I'm going to be made fun of again. This is going to hurt again. But this time, he put his arm around me. This teacher was different. And he said, he said these words. He said, as each of these students have their unique differences, and he listed them and I can't remember all that he said about each person, but he said, this is Darren's unique difference. He's no different than anybody else. This is just the way that he was created. At that moment, things changed for me. That moment, Mr. Jenkins had no guarantee at all that this would even work, but he took a risk and the reward paid off. Now, before I get into some concepts that I want to talk about concerning influence, let me fast forward even a little bit farther. A few years back, I was doing a motivational speech up in Nevada, and I had, I had met Mr. Jenkins previously, which I probably need to tell that story because that in and of itself is pretty amazing. I was speaking. Let's, let's back up even further, okay? put the Nevada motivational speech on the shelf. I need to tell this story first. So I'm up in Idaho. I'm back in Kimberly, Idaho speaking. And 
I am going out to the school that I graduated from and I walk into the old high school and it had now become, they built a new high school since I had graduated and now it's a junior high and I walk into the office there and it was the superintendent's office of the school district and the superintendent was actually the mother of a girl that I had graduated with and when she saw me she said Darren what are you doing here and so I told her I said I have just written a children's book called thank you Mr. Jenkins and I told her the story that I had just told you I said I don't even know what his first name was I don't know if he's alive. She goes, oh, John Jenkins. And instantly my mind went to John Jenkins, Jingleheimer Smith. That's my name too. Anybody remember that? Anyways, and I, I, I kind of chuckled. I said, yeah. She goes, I told her the years that I was in fourth grade, which she knew because her daughter was the same age as me. But she said, I just saw him at a teacher's conference. He is retired and I'm going to try to track him down. So she tracked him down. And I get a phone call about two hours later, and it's Mr. Jenkins on the other end of the line. And he says, Darren, what are you doing? I said, I have to see you. I have to talk with you. I got to tell you a story. And so he agreed to meet me the next morning for breakfast. We went out to breakfast, and I'm telling him the story of, of his influence in my life in the fourth grade and that I've written this book. And on the last page of the book, See, I didn't know who Mr. Jenkins was, really. Didn't know his name, his full name. Didn't know if he was still alive. But I had written on the last page of the book that I just sent off to the publisher. It says, I don't know if you're alive. I don't even know if you're out there. But if you are, thank you, Mr. Jenkins. You changed my life. When I'm telling him this, tears are rolling down his face while we're sitting there at the IHOP having breakfast. And he says, you know what's amazing? He goes, two weeks ago, my son asked me, Dad, whatever happened to that young man that you had in your fourth grade class that only had one hand? And he says, and here you are sitting in front of me. And so we established a relationship. We have stayed in touch. Let me go back to the story of the motivational speech in Nevada. I am there. He comes down. I bring a film crew with me. After I get done with the motivational speech, I sit down, and he and I do about a 30, 45-minute uh, interview from his perspective of what it looked like. Now, here's the deal. He had to take a risk. He did not know if it would work, but influence. If you're going to make a difference, if you're going to bring influence into the lives of others, you have to be willing to take a risk. You know, very few of us were ever created to become famous or to live a life of notoriety, but all of us are meant for a life of significance, for influence. All of us in some way can help others reach their full potential. Mr. Jenkins has never been famous, but Mr. Jenkins is famous to me because he made a difference. He changed my life. That influence that he exerted in my life at a young age was a bold move because in order to truly bring change to someone, in order to really influence someone, you have to be willing to take steps that may be uncomfortable. Mr. Jenkins, I sent him an email probably about a year ago, and he is, he is still alive. 
as far as I know, I haven't been in touch with him in the last several months, but he's getting he's getting older, and I got to get a real life sit down interview with him. Although we did the one a few years ago, um, I think there's more that we can unearth, and so I I've got to get together with him a asap because influence is so vital, and his story and how he influenced me is so important to get out to others. I do a whole motivational speech or keynote address to teachers that work with students about the five influences. I call it get a grip, the five influences that Mr. Jenkins had in my life. I'm not going to get into those. I'll save those for maybe another podcast. But let me just say this. Every single one of you, you have the potential to make a difference in the life of someone else. You just got to accept the fact that you have something to say and that God has created you to make a difference. So many times we allow our failures, we allow our mistakes, we allow those things that have hindered us to to stay locked, to keep us locked down. And when we do that, we're robbing the world of your gift and your talent and your ability to influence others. I could go down the list, not only my parents, not only Mr. Jenkins. I could talk to you about men and women that God placed in my my life that allowed me to, to really see life from a proper perspective. Because when you see that you were created to do something and make a difference, it changes everything. I hope that you have enjoyed this. There's a lot more that I could probably tell you about Mr. Jenkins, and maybe in the future, I will. But for now, we're going to end this episode, and I hope that you have been in some way challenged. Again, this is the Darren Sargent Show. Life advice from single-handed perspective. You can follow me on various social media channels. You can find all of those at my website, darrensargent.com. darrensargent.com. Have an awesome day. Go out into the world and make a difference.